0: All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined for a fan talk episode where I will be chatting with fellow Falcons fan, Zamir Savanovic, on whatever Falcons topics are at the top of his mind.
1: You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
0: every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years at falcfans.com, one of the longest-running Falcon websites in the history of the entire universe. Uh, I am on Twitter, at falcfans, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. And, of course, on this illustrious podcast, we have nothing but illustrious guests. Today, I am joined by Zamir Sabanovic, uh, a Bosnian native, Now living in the United States for many years, we had Zabir on last May to talk about the Falcons for a fan talk. If you're curious about Zabir's background and sort of how he came to be a Falcon fan and how his love for the Falcons and sports helped him learn English and whatnot, definitely want to go back and check out that episode you can find it, of course, on foulfans.com or whatever podcast platform you listen to this podcast, including the Himalaya Podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, but uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about a lot of subjects on this fan talk. Um, for those of you that are new to this podcast in recent months and haven't really heard us do fan talks, this is an opportunity for you guys that are listening to the show uh, to basically come on the air. Give me some free content that can fill up this uh, dull time of the calendar year, but also allow you guys to sort of express your thoughts and opinions about the Atlanta Falcons directly to me. And so, without further ado, Zamira, welcome back to the Locked On Falcons podcast.
1: Thank you, man. Uh, I'm glad to be back, and you—you you got it right. The list illustrious guest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, today, is going to be talking quite a bit with us about a variety of topics. But I know one that he is very passionate about because he wrote me a very passionate email about it back in December, uh, talking about various things dealing with trying to upgrade the Falcons offense and, and trying to make them elite and investing in their offensive line. Um, but I know you have a, a take a little bit, Zamir, on sort of the idea of how the Falcons have invested their resources this offseason in order to try to upgrade their offense versus comparing it with some of the talk this offseason where the Falcons needed to maybe invest in their defense and, and particularly their run defense. So I will give you the floor to sort of explain what your thoughts on are on that particular subject. Well, uh, email that you're referring
1: to, it was based on your episode, one of your podcast episodes when... Uh, you were answering a uh, uh, listener's questions, and uh, one of the questions: Which would you rather uh, uh, improve, offensive line or defensive line? And you explained it that you would take a, a, a offensive line first because we are closer to be elite on offense than be elite on a defense. And then maybe if we could add one or two players on offensive line that would maybe get us over hump and you start I, I I don't remember exactly uh points that you were giving but I remember that he was saying uh wide receiver is like eight nine grade uh running backs eight or nine grade at the moment our uh our office line was like six or seven grade so if he could Draft or 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 pay. I mean, a free agency. Find somebody to to improve that to move the needle in right direction. And if we can bump that to at least seven or eight, then we would have that elite offense like we had it in 2016. And if you have elite or. On something, one of the aspects of the game, defense or or, or offense. If you're elite, then you can be con, a truly contender. And that's why I wrote you that email. That I agree with you, but I also talk uh, in uh, in that episode. You were talking that uh, Tim Brown. We shouldn't be paying too much money on him because he's left tackle, and for uh, for us, he would play right tackle and that kind of sparked me to write an email because I didn't care how much money we're going to pay as long as we can fit it under under cap, just improve it, make it a, 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 that elite offense. And my thought process was if we can make it an elite offense, like it was 2016, that tremendously helped our defense. I believe Dan Quinn when he came and took over our team, that we have a, a very good offense. And he started drafting on defense fast athletic mm-hmm. players. And that was specific. Because if you remember uh, uh, when the draft 2016 was, um, when he drafted Deion Jones, he uh, was saying was, you know, he he's not that big how he's gonna you know go in trenches he didn't want them to go as much in trenches because he knew that how lethal his offense was so he drafted the players who were fast in coverage and then we don't need to care about run defense i know a lot of Our fans are upset about our our run defense. And it's very important if they're running a clock on us. Nobody could do that because everybody was behind. Everybody was playing catch-up with us. So we immediately turned their offense one dimension. That was basically it. Don't worry as much on, on, on run defense if our offense... Is clicking you you, and that that's my point. I, when I wrote your email, I believe Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov listened to that episode. <laughs> okay, and because of that, because because when they signed in free agency, I was I was immediately thinking they might draft defensive tackle or pass rusher in the first round. Mm-hmm. I, I think they they went double down just to be sure their offense is gonna start clicking on all cylinders.
0: Okay, so we're gonna keep talking about this subject uh, in just a moment. But I want to remind listeners that NBA free agency is nearly upon us, and if you guys want to get the latest takes, follow all of the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from every local expert including Locked On Hawks podcast host Brad Rowland. during this time of year with post draft takes and NBA free agency again check that out at Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. All right, all off season long I've been reminding you guys that NFL players are trying to enhance and increase their performance for the upcoming season, but you too can get better performance and gain extra confidence in the bedroom by checking out bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know, they work. You can take them anytime day or night, even on a full stomach. And if you're on the go, you'll be ready to go because since they're chewable, they'll act up to, they'll work up to twice as fast as any pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since it's prepared and shipped direct, it's cheaper than any pharmacy. Right now, you can take advantage of this special offer by visiting BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code On. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. So, Zamir, we're, we're talking about sort of the Falcons' need to upgrade their offense, and basically, in a nutshell, your argument, and the argument I've made in the past, and will continue to make, is that, the best defense, the best way that the Falcons can be able to stop the run is by getting a lead and, and taking teams' run games out of the equation because, basically, if a team is down 10 points in the third quarter, they're going to stop running the football. Um, and so we, we saw, we've we seen this happen several times over the last couple of years. I remember a game, uh, not last year, but I think it was 2016 against Arizona uh, where David Johnson was killing the Falcons in the first half of that game. And then the Falcons got a lead and basically Javid Johnson might have touched the ball like three times in the second half of that game. And, you know, I think that's going to be a strategy that the Falcons are going to have to continue to employ uh, this upcoming season in 2019. But you sort of mentioned this. It sounds like you actually like the strategy of the Falcons double investing in the offensive line, both in free agency and the draft, While, you know, there's other people, including myself, uh, that are a little critical of the Falcons' decision to spend all that money in free agency, despite the fact that, at least according to them, whether, you know, you believe it or not, remains to be seen. But their plan all along was to, even if after the free agency, to still use high draft picks on offensive linemen. So is, is it fair to say that you were happy to see the Falcons basically go all in on their offensive line in free agency?
1: Yes, absolutely. It, 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 you, you, first of all, you cannot never never account for injuries, so you don't know where on the line we can get injured, uh, or, and also, you cannot depend on rookies to immediately start producing. When I was looking this draft, I was always looking on the players with the high floors right now, because we, right now we need the help. If they could become a stars five years down the road, that's good. That's great. But I want it now. I believe Lindstrom is right now guard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to put too big expectation on on, on him or anybody or, or or any other young players because you never know how they're gonna respond to pressure or change the venue. It's all different from college to pro. It's 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 like night and day, and some players cannot take that, you know. Yeah. Some being assured, they have a two veteran guards locked down for at least a couple of years. I, I think uh, Carpenter only we can get rid of after one year, right?
0: Um, I think there is a way that they can get out of the Carpenter contract next year, but it's unlikely that they'll try to do that. I after to, yeah. to look so, back at the contract
1: on it. So taking two guards right now and also drafting a guard and a tackle, having those big bodies and making sure that number one is investment. We cannot forget we paid a lot of money for quarterback. Um, I believe there was a lot of talk between uh, Mr. Blank and and Thomas Mitrov after season just by by listening to their Uh, interviews and press conferences, you would, you know, know know that he also had something with this. Pay doesn't matter how much we're going to pay them. I just want to make sure that we have a line who's going to protect Matt Ryan.
0: Yeah, I I think you raised some good points with the whole notion of having injuries. We we know a couple years ago when we went to the Super Bowl, we had the same five guys start all 16 games, but if I'm correct off the top of my head. I think that's only happened like two or three times in the last 20 seasons for the Falcons. So you're going to need your backup offensive lineman. There's a high probability that you're going to at least need, you know, one or two guys to start at least a couple of games. Um, Exactly. And and we saw that last – we've seen that the last couple of seasons. So And and, and you remember Mac was also
1: injured in a a conference championship. yeah, And he – Came in Super Bowl with a, with a high ankle injury. Yeah, he was he he, he at the times he struggled at, a, at mm-hmm. the game, but we didn't have anybody else.
0: Yeah, you're right, and I, I think it's a good point as well to point out the fact that part of the reason why the Falcons probably were aggressive in free agency to to upgrade these spots was because of the belief that rookies aren't reliable and have some guys. That in the event that even if you like the rookies and their potential and whatnot, that, as you say, there's no guarantee that those guys are going to come in right away and, um, you know, start right away. Although I think both of us probably sit here and are optimistic, if not confident, that Lindstrom and McGarry will be starting, at least for the majority of the season, if not on week one, uh, at the... you know, right guard and potentially right tackle. But I do think, you know, from a strategy standpoint, what the Falcons did makes total sense. I'm just reminded of a, a recent quote from my fellow Locked On uh, podcast uh, buddy and Brad Rowland, who, who hosts the Locked On Hawks podcast. He tweeted this, um, I think, either right before or right after one of the Hawks draft picks uh, last week. And he basically said, like, it's not what I would do, but it's also not a total disaster. And I think that's kind of how I feel about the Falcons' free agency decisions, where certain moves that they made, I'm not necessarily the moves that I would certainly make if I was sort of running things. But at the same time, even if I disagree with those moves, it's not like they did this horrible thing that's going to you know, completely tank their season by any means, particularly if history repeats itself and we do that, you know, multiple, probably more than five of these guys are going to wind up starting games this year. Carpenter's been in the league for, this is his ninth season. Brown's been in the league. I think this is his fifth season. So having guys that have a lot of experience does make a lot of sense. So even if I'm critical of some of those moves that the Falcons made, because I don't necessarily know if they moved the needle to the degree that I wanted them to um, in free agency, you know, the, the Falcons, at least their thought process was in the right place, I I think, uh, you know, in terms of upgrading that offensive line. But
1: may may I ask you why are you critical of those moves? Was that purely management because they give it so much money or because they signed those two particular
0: players? It's kind of a combination of both. I, I, You know, on principle, I feel like, If you're spending money and it doesn't do anything, you're just wasting money. Um, And so that was really my beef with those signings at first, which is one of the reasons why I was so adamant that the Falcons should still use a a very high pick on on an offensive lineman leading up to the draft, because I don't feel like those – you spend a lot of money to not fix a problem. You just threw money at it. And, you know, and if if, to me, if ultimately – you're looking at those guys and you're like, we can get better players in the draft as the Falcons arguably did. I don't feel like you needed to spend that much money to basically get, you know, veteran stopgaps. gaps. Uh, You know, the Falcons, basically the Falcons gave out like 28 million in guaranteed money between Brown Carpenter and Sam Brayload. And it's not to sit here and say that they couldn't have signed one or two of those guys. I think you probably would have wound up saving half of that amount of money. And that's, you know, $14 million for a team, that has some, you know, cap, you know, tightness uh, coming up, you know, all those, you know, you, you got to kind of pinch pennies in certain ways. And I don't necessarily know if spending that money and, or arguably overspending that money was the best way of, of using those limited resources. Oh, my, my response on that
1: would be, let's say they didn't sign the Carpenter Brown. They drafted this. But, it turned out we needed one or two, maybe both, those players be- right before a season, or in the preseason, or even when season started. Could we have another chance of signing them? Would they already be signed with somebody else? Would they be available? Who else, if they are not available, who else we would have chance to sign to help us?
0: Yeah, no, that's a. I think that's a fair point because, I, yeah, I don't think you're getting. Javon Brown and James Carpenter in in August or September or whatever, uh, and, and, like you're get in March,
1: and that's exactly why I was uh, why I wanted them to spend money. I don't care if they have money in, in in August or September, but they don't have anybody else to sign because everybody else, everybody good anyway, was signed by other other teams. Then we don't have a choice but playing those rookies. Even if we think they are not ready, and we we talked before before this episode a little bit, and I, I I mentioned I don't care how much players are paid. I honestly don't because they putting their bodies and health online, and if we can put them under the cap, i want every player to pay to be paid double, but because there's a cap, salary cap, we have to play by rules, that's fine. Sign as much as you can just to be sure that line is set because we cannot afford – Matt Ryan goes down. Our season goes down. Mm -hmm. You have to agree with that. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you have best wide receivers on the planet, best running backs on the planet, and you don't have a quarterback. Well, tough.
0: Yeah. I agree there. I agree there. Um like, the other thing I've said is that if Lindstrom and McGarry are good, then while I can sit here and be like they overpaid for Carpenter or they overpaid for Brown or they overpaid for Sambrello, at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to matter all that much because Lindstrom and McGarry are going to hopefully play most, if not all, of the games. And, you know, you're going to have, you know, to me, ultimately the, the, the biggest issue is next year maybe – Jamon Brown's going to be a backup offensive lineman making like $7 million a year, which is not ideal. But I think, you know, ultimately because the importance of having stability up front on the offensive line, you can argue that if you're going to pay any backup on your team $7 million outside of the backup quarterback, it makes sense to have offensive linemen make that type of money because those guys can be so critical It can make and break your season. Yeah, but or, 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 let, let me ask you this question.
1: Let, let's imagine 2019, we are playing Super Bowl, but we lost Lindstrom. He's not going to play in that game. Would you then care how much we paid Brown and Carpenter? No, you're right. That, that's my, my yeah. entire point. I don't care how much we paid them. hundred million,
0: given <laughs> that's the game we want to win. Yeah. It's right. True. That's it's true. they all marbles. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. I think that's the pers- – I think you have a, a very good perspective as someone who sits here and, and spends 100 hours a year trying to come up with Falcons topics. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, probably play up some of these things a little bit more than, than they should. But I think you're right. At, at the end of the day, as long as the team wins, no one cares how much you guys are making. If the team loses – that's when people yeah. are like, "Hey, why are we paying all this money for if we're having you know if we're losing football games?" And so, at the end of yeah, the day, I think exactly. you, you, you know you're right. It's like if the Falcons, if these guys are good, then we're not going to be talking about how much they're paying. I mean, we'll probably still be talking. I know I will be talking about because what else am I? <laughs> I know talk about? you.
1: I know you would. <laughs> I know you would. You are so anal, if I may say so, about those. Uh, like Sanu how much money I don't care <laughs> if he catches three passes a game and that three passes that uh, three yards and that helps us win the game I don't care if you pay if you pay him seven million a year I don't I could care less only if we lose and then I said wait a minute we,
0: for seven million we can pay somebody better. Zamir just did a thing that I, I'm sure a lot of you guys wish you could do, which is tell me to my face uh, my how stupid my Sanu thoughts are. But uh, that's why you guys. No, do- they're
1: not stupid. They are different. <laughs> they are no, I, I I'm serious. They're not. They, they, I didn't mean that way. If I, if you think that I mean that way, I really apologize because
0: I'm just I you, just man.
1: I just don't care about money as long as we have other players to sign. I mean, if he can keep it under the cap, for example, if we pay Sanu $7 million and he, because we paid him that much money and lose uh, Jones, I would be very upset. And a lot of Falcons would be very upset, including you. But if he can keep them all, then why not?
0: No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair.
1: And also if he he helps us win the game.
0: Yeah, look, and, you know, my my thoughts on Sanu without going over it is I don't think he lives up to what he's paid. But at the same time, it's not like he's a complete waste of money. No. It's really just like, you know, if his salary was like a couple million lower than what it is, I wouldn't be complaining about him to the degree that I do. Um, You know, I'd, I'd probably still... Be like, slow, yeah, but, still like but like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So um, you know, we'll we'll sort of uh keep this conversation going a little bit more. Uh but uh, before we get there, I wanna let you guys know that I know some of you listen to this podcast at home or when you're at work, uh, but you can also listen to it on your drive between those two places or whenever you're out and about in your car. All you have to do is the next time you climb in your vehicle, tell your smart device to play podcast "Locked On Falcons," and I'll be right there with you for the drive. So, Zamir, um, you know, since this is the Locked On Falcons podcast, aka the Locked On Fullbacks podcast, yeah, exactly. I know, I know, you have some thoughts on, you know, basically why the Falcons. Or well, I'll, I'll let you explain, ask your question, but you have some questions about the usage of the fullback position in the, in Atlanta before i was
1: uh, i was waiting for you to call me i knew i had to mention fullbacks because you wouldn't be happy so yeah. this is just for you why do we have a need for fullback at all why right now i feel that we are not fully committed to having a fullback
0: i mean look the answer to your question is i don't know because when the falcons chose not to sign patrick demarco it should, Which they, is very
1: upsetting for me too. I I I'm honest about this. I'm I'm not I'm not uh, uh, pulling your strings. <laughs> I, I one of the my favorite players of all time, just because of style of play. He, he,
0: you know, it doesn't help that Twitter accounts like cover1, uh dot net post gifs of his great blocking when now that he's in Buffalo. But um, you know, it doesn't help me <laughs> get over. It. But uh, you know, I think because when they, they, they let DeMarco go and they brought in and they paid Toy Lolo all that money, it should have signaled that, oh, the fullback is going by the wayside in this offense, and we'll sort of be, and I've talked about this in the past, when we're talking about the identity of this offense, will be kind of what the Eagles are, have been under Doug Peterson, which is basically their entire offense, they're either operating out of three wide receiver sets or two tight end sets. And so that's basically like 95% of their offense, and they don't really need a fullback. And that, that at least signaled that's kind of what the Falcons were doing based off of how they spent their money that offseason. But then when we got to the season, it was like, oh, no, we're still using the fullback just to, almost nearly as much as we did the year before. But then why did you not pay? You know, you still use the fullback. I think the Falcons were like fifth or sixth in the league that in 2017 in, in fullback usage after being like second in 2016. And so it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then last year they bring in Ricky Ortiz and it's like, okay, well, if Ricky Ortiz is not going to be, you know, and then we saw later in the season where they started deactivating him and it's like, okay, well, if, if you're not, if you don't want a fullback part of your offense, then get rid of fullback. Like, even though I'm a, I'm a fan of fullbacks, it's not like I sit here and say, you have to have a part the fullback part of your offense. It's just, if you're going to have the fullback as part of your offense, which is the Falcons clearly have done in the last two years, then why are you basically doing everything possible to basically put the worst possible player at that position based off of their roster moves the last couple of years. And so this year, now that they brought in Luke Stocker and they brought in these other tight ends with, you know, bringing back Logan Paulson, it seems like they're finally moving in that direction. But then again, knowing the Falcons week one will start and you know, the first, first and 10, the first snap of the game, you're going to see Ricky Ortiz or whoever it is lined up there at fullback. And it's like, like what? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like they're they're trying to have the best of. It's like it's like trying to get like a five star treatment by only paying like one star prices. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
1: It, it kind of like they don't know exactly in which direction to commit to fully commit. Yeah, it's kind of trying to do play both sides. Yeah, but uh, another question about fullback. Is there any chance DeMarco get cut by Buffalo and we could snatch him?
0: I've seen people talk about him not being a sure thing to make the Bills roster. I would imagine if the Bills did plan to do that, they would have already done it by now. Like, I don't think Patrick DeMarco is a guy that you cut in August. Um, so it's like, if he's going to get, if he's going to get cut, it's going to be next off season. Um, I don't know the contract terms of his contract, but I imagine his guaranteed money probably ran out either this year or next year. So they could move on from him in the future, but like he's kind of so good for them and he doesn't make that much money. I think he's making like $4 million or something like that. Like it doesn't. Uh,
1: I think he makes double that. Oh, is it? Yeah.
0: Uh, now I got to look it up. I uh, think
1: we, we could have, we could have kept him if we paid him Six. But uh Buffalo paid him eight. That's why we let him go.
0: His cap hit this year is two point one five million, his cap hit next year is two point three five million. He got up. Yeah, but how
1: much was contract?
0: Eight point four over four years. Basically he's making like one percent of the cap over the next two years. So they could cut him, but if he you know, obviously he's still playing at a level where if you want to have a fullback as part of your offense which I guess we'll find out if the Bills continue to do that, then it makes perfect sense to keep him for the next, at least for another year or two.
1: You know, all this time I was thinking you were wrong, complaining about that. And now I'm realizing I, I don't even can comprehend why did we chose not to sign him. There was Trump change. <laughs> comparing... <laughs> I'm glad. Because I, I, all this time I thought he was eight million
0: a year. No, I don't even Holy think. He, crap! Now you understand. Oh <laughs> now, now you now you're at no. the same level as I am. And why you're so like why I've been so ticked exactly, off?
1: Exactly because I, I. How much did we say? Two hundred thousand a year? Yeah. For not signing him, or something like that.
0: Yeah, something something ridiculous. Something stupid. <laughs> Oh my God! I, honestly,
1: all this time I thought, what, "What's going on with Aaron? Why he's so stuck paying a fullback eight million a year when he's gonna have—I I don't know—maybe five percent of snaps?"
0: Now you understand.
1: Oh my God! Oh, this is funny. All right. Uh, Aaron 2.0 is just born.
0: <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You know, it just, it never made any sense. That's, that's why, you know, I, I don't rant about it as much as I did the last couple of years, but it's just like, it, it makes zero sense. It's, it's, there's no way to wrap your head around it. Zamir, is there any last things that you have thoughts on before we duck out?
1: Uh, just a quick thought. What my thoughts on on, on Sark and and, and, and Carter. When Sark was first uh, uh, hired, I was immediately uh, happy. or I shouldn't say happy, but I was kind of uh, satisfied with that move just because he didn't have his own offense. And Dan Quinn was immediately saying, we're going to keep the same offense. My thought process was he built his name on running else's offices mm-hmm. because he didn't have his own office because it's human nature if something goes wrong when you doing something else's you go back on your own on something that you do and my thought process was if they hire somebody with more experience somebody who has their own offices if things weren't going immediately good because you know how short is coaching life in this league is. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it first year, less likely you're gonna, we're going to see you next year. So I, I was happy with that. But I, immediately, I think uh, Thomas Dimitrov and specifically Dan Quinn made a mistake because it's the same with players. They didn't surround him. They didn't put put him in best position to win and that's because they lost uh, a quarterback coach who went to Rams and now and then Titans and now he's uh, uh, head coach head coach for uh, Green Bay Mm -hmm. and they brought college from college with no virtual experience at all and uh, our receiver coach was actually defensive coach and he didn't have anybody else but him to figure that high tempo, high level offense and he had to do it by himself. That That's why immediately next year they brought Knapp mm-hmm. to, to to be a quarterback coach. I cannot put the entire blame on him I putting a lot of blame on Dan Queen and also players for not, not ex- executing. I know he had some bad plays and I'm not saying this so I, I defend him in any way. I'm just trying to tell you what I, was,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what, what I was thinking about all that fiasco. My question for you is, Carter is more two tight end sets than Shanahan office, which was three wide receivers. So how is this going to work for us now this season? If, he, if he's going to continue to run Shanahan's offense, then why we have so many tight ends?
0: Well, I mean, Shanahan does use tight ends a lot. That was one of the kind of issues that came up with Sark because Shanahan, we saw this with George Kittle last year in San Francisco. Shanahan's really good at scheming tight ends in the passing game. So we saw that with Hooper and, and, and Toy Lola putting up numbers in 2016. So it's not that the Shanahan offense doesn't use tight ends well. It's really that you have to know how to use those guys because really tight end production, regardless of the offense you run, is really kind of a product of your system, not necessarily always reflective of who the tight end is. Um, But I think what Cutter is going to do, at least my prediction at this point in time, is that we're going to see a lot more tight end usage. We're going to see more of those two tight ends. We're going to see more of those three tight end sets that's something that they did quite a bit in Tampa Bay with guys like, uh, OJ Howard and Cameron Brait and whoever else they had there, uh, Luke Stocker. Um, so I think it's going to work out fine. It's just a question of, and like, that's one of the things I'm going to work on over the next couple of days and weeks is like, is cutter really good at scheming those guys open? Cause I, I don't think Brayton Howard probably, you know, I think when Bucs fans saw the team draft Howard, you know, a couple of years ago, and they already had break we're like, oh, we're going to have these really dynamic tight ends. And you see, you know, use example like New England, who always uses tight ends very well. You see team like Philadelphia with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz and uses those guys well. And I thought Bucs fans probably thought they were going to have something like that, and they didn't really quite get it. So I wonder, you know, part of me is one of the things I'm going to go back and look at is – is that a product of the scheme, or is that just simply those guys weren't necessarily as good as that? And, and will we see that sort of happen here in Atlanta? Because after Hooper, I don't necessarily know if you have a second tight end that you really like. Like, Saubert has the potential to be a factor in the passing game, but, you know, we'll have to sort of see if he can get You have to,
1: to, to skin him open. Yeah. You have to skin him open. But uh, what, what also concerned me, Stenhan was very good in pre snap in, in in disguising his offense keeping uh, other uh, defenses on their toes or, or on their heels uh always guessing but what also concerned me is that uh Dan Quinn always uh, uh trying to say we need more balanced attack and that's never was a uh, college uh, Offense. He was mm-hmm. always pass heavy. Then he really makes him run that balance attack more. Is that gonna kind of
0: slow him down? Or I mean, I don't know. I don't have the answer. It's basically if you're a, like that to me is the the single biggest question about the Falcons. Chair. Like I think all this other stuff that we talk about with the Falcons. Not to say none of it matters, but I think you know it's kind of relative to the Dan Quinn dirt cutter offensive fit. It kind of doesn't really matter. That's going to be the story of the Falcon season. If dirt cutter comes in here and that they mesh perfectly offensively, and he can do the balance attack that Dan Quinn wants, he can, you know, in the, in the running game is actually good enough to run a balance attack. Cause that was kind of the problem that dirt cutter had in Tampa Bay, which is he ran the ball a bunch early on because he wanted to basically put James Winston in favorable situations, but when Doug Doug Martin wasn't good outside of twenty, Yeah, they didn't have a good running but- They couldn't run the football, and so it made their offense really bad. And so that's going to be important for the Falcons if they can actually run the ball to live up to that sort of more balanced attack as well as sort of, you know, all the other things that go on with being a good play caller and understanding, you know, who how to use certain players because that was a big problem with Sark because of his lack of NFL experience, because of his limited um, – experience with the players at the Falcons head, he didn't really know how to use guys. And, and obviously Taylor Gable's probably number one on that list of guys that were really misused that year in 2017. Now I think the thing that goes in Dirk Cutter's favor is the fact that he's played against several of these players the last couple of years. He's coached against these guys. And some of them like Devontae, like Julio, like Matt Ryan, he is very familiar with. So he has a much better chance of at least on paper or in theory, hitting the ground running. So I think there's reasons to be optimistic for people out there that are looking for those reasons to hope that it all matches together. But, you know, we've seen the last couple of years, the last couple of offensive coaching hires, whether it was uh, Shanahan or Sark, there was a learning curve. Now the thing you can say about Dirk Cutter that you can't say about those guys is historically speaking, wherever Dirk Cutter goes, whether it's Jacksonville, Atlanta, or Tampa Bay, the first year he's there is the best year he has. So there's again, there's reasons to be optimistic that, that it will mesh this year, and all these question marks that we have are going to work out in the Falcons' favor. The downside of that is if that trend continues, then it means that we will see sort of diminishing returns from the offense in the upcoming years, which then puts the pressure back on the defense to have to pick up the slack so that we can, you know, have that still have that good football team and still be a competitive, you know, contender years down the road. So, you know, that's more long-term thinking, but I think for the short term, obviously, it all sort of hinges on, you know, how quickly Dirk Cutter can get this offense operating at a high level. And I I think there's reasons to be optimistic about it. I think there's reasons to be pessimistic about it. And one of the things sort of I hope to discover in the next couple of days and weeks as I dig back into his all, all 22 of the Bucs offenses sort of where I sort of officially fall on that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I know where, where you coming from. It just for me it was really confusing statement. Hearing what Dan Quinn has to say, and then you you looking at body of work of Carter, and you know, it really didn't mash. Mm-hmm. I guess we we will have to wait and see.
0: Yeah so uh zamir, uh, I appreciate you coming on talking football with me Falcons football with me. Let the people know where they can hit you up on social media if they want to talk more falcons with you
1: uh zamir one o five and uh zamir four o six uh zamir one o five on on Twitter and zamir four o six on instagram go go falcons
0: yeah, all right rise this up
1: this year this year is our year,
0: yeah. So uh, once again, Zemir, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking. Thank you. Um, Thank
1: you very much for having me. I, I, it's always a blast to talk with you. And I listen to your podcast like it's my first thing in the morning. For Falcons, I can always talk Falcons. Uh, uh, and I know you are too. So yeah. otherwise you wouldn't be doing this.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. But, yeah, man, I appreciate it. And I, I look forward to the next uh passionate it will say passionate email that you send me uh next time you
1: oh i i really apologize but that no it was, was great like it was my great best attempt. <laughs> that was my best attempt to imitate your rant yeah when Look. you sometimes start rant about fullback or or some new or <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> and that was my you know kind of i i can do that too
0: yeah absolutely man so um you know have a good night, man, and, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate it, and uh, look forward to chatting with you and, you know, future conversations we're going to have and, and seeing what this season ultimately uh, shapes up to be. Well,
1: thanks for having me, and have a good night, man.
0: All right, man. You too. All right, guys, there you have it. Uh, another Locked On Falcons podcast in the book, uh, one of our first fan talks in, in quite some time. Uh, I feel like this may be the first one of the offseason. If we did one, it was much, much, much earlier in the offseason, like February, March, or something like that. Last time we did one, uh, but yeah, it might have been our first fan talk of 2019, I can't remember. Uh, so I want to thank Samir for submitting his name. And the way, if you guys want to be on future fan talks, because we got some time in the certainly um, in the next week or so before we really dig deep into these, uh, training camp previews and get into training camp talk. But you guys can jump on for future fan talks during training camp during the season. I like to do one a week if I can, um, you know, throughout the regular season. So the way that you can submit your name for future fan talks is by just sending me an email, like Zamir did at lockedonfalcons at mail dot com. Give me your contact information. Normally, we record these podcasts over Skype. So if you have a Skype account, send me that information. But if you don't have a Skype account, doesn't matter. Just give me a phone number, and we can work things out. Uh, and so, uh, you know, what's your availability? When you like to come on? And and if you have some possible topics? that you want to discuss then you know keep put those in the email as well so email is also the place where you can submit uh questions for Q&As which we might do tomorrow on tomorrow's episode you could also submit those questions to locked on falcons on twitter and facebook the show's social media accounts as well as leave a comment at filefans.com where the podcast is posted daily so i want to thank you guys for listening to today's episode and know that you can get the locked on falcons podcast on the most illustrious podcast platforms out there, like Himalaya, like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And again, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcasts, Locked On Falcons. Until then, guys. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons,
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.